The Video Nasty's Moments examine the films behind the scare by Christopher A. Brown. Using notes from the podcast and additional information from the media at the time, the Video Nasties podcast host, Christopher Brown, publishes a book looking at all the 72 films on the Nasties list and their impact on society. Read cuttings from the media scare stories, find out the stories behind the movie makers and delve further into the grimy world of the decade's greatest moral panic. Each of the films was covered in detail, along with trivia, reviews, expert opinion and a taste of the controversial scenes each contain. The Video Nasty's Moments is available in hardback, paperback, EPUB, and Kindle. Go to videonastiespodcast.com forward slash book to get your copy now. want to see zombie flesh eaters on the big screen celebrate the end of the video nasties podcast and the launch of the video nasties moment book we're teaming up with picturehouse at fact and our screen to offer you the chance to see lucio fulci's classic film on november 7th our screen lets you pick the film and if you get enough people to reserve a ticket host your own screening for zombie flesh eaters to happen we need 33 people to reserve a ticket by november 2nd Everybody who attends will receive a free copy of the Video Nasties Moment book in ebook or Kindle format. Go to rscreen.com now and search for Zombie Flesh Eaters to reserve your seat. Tickets cost £9. Whatever it is, it makes the dead stand up and walk. Hello everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Tom. And we host The Strange and Deadly Show, a brand new podcast launching on the 24th of October 2014. You might be wondering why this podcast is of any interest to you. Well, Tom? We're good friends with Chris Brown, the host of this very show you're listening to now, and we're taking up the mantle of discussing the Section 3 films which are related to the Video Nasties cover two films on every episode and for the time being we've a specific theme for each one that's right on our very first episode we cover two cannibal films on the second we discuss two features from david cronenberg all of these choices taken from that section three list it's a fast and fresh new show with plenty of rambling and humor but at the core of the listening experience is two friends talking about movies they might love hate or fall somewhere in between on. We can't wait to get going. So, if you'd like to check us out when we launch, it's The Strange and Deadly Show. Our premiere episode arrives on the 24th of October, and you'll be able to find us at www.strangeanddeadly.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us on iTunes and on your podcatcher of choice, and you can talk to us at twitter.com forward slash strange deadly, that's strange deadly, no and, or at one of our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at twitter.com forward slash thegoreboy. And I'm at twitter.com slash grindhousetom. Thanks, guys. We can't wait to meet you. The 2015 Night Gallery podcast and Video Nasties podcast host, Christopher Brown, will start on a new project. 
History of Horror podcast will examine films from the dawn of cinema right through to modern day. There'll be information about the history of film across the globe and a look at what makes us scared around the world. Go to videonastiespodcast.com or follow Christopher on Twitter at orange underscore monkey for developments and information of when the new podcast will begin. And now our feature presentation. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, seen one. i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film Welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. So here we are at the end. The video's recordings at 1984 and came into power in July of that year. And the Video Nasties list lasted until the British Board of Film Classification was officially designated as a classing authority in 1985. After that, it became an offence to sell any film without a BBFC certificate with some exceptions to things like documentaries and um, music videos. The nasty scare was over, but its effects have lived long on in the psyche of the country. Jake West's documentary, Video Nasty's The Defensive Guy Part 2, goes into detail between 1985 and 1999, a period when the BBFC was run by James Furman. At this time, films were routinely cut and banned. Most notably The Exorcist, which could not be released in the UK in home video in case a child would actually watch the fucking thing. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was uh, not allowed to be seen mainly because it featured a woman being terrorised. The whole point of the horror film. Also, any films that had received a conviction throughout the scare also had to be cut to reflect the law. The concept that they'd be made obscene, therefore imposed things like lengthy cuts on films like Evil Dead. Despite these checks, videos were still considered a dangerous medium, really, able to corrupt young minds. The BBFC were willing to cut more at home than in the cinema, in reflection that these could corrupt the public more, as they were able to free-phrase moments while replaying them at their leisure in the home environment. Meanwhile, all those great covers that you speak me speak of, and a fuse over over the last two years, were removed. The Video Packaging Review Committee, better known as the VPRC, is a voluntary scheme of self-regulation by the industry, which regulates the sleeve of DVDs right through to Blu-rays now, and that came into existence to cover video. As the UBFC says on their website, the VPRC's objective is to set and maintain standards of taste and decency while preserving the rights of the company to advertise a product and the rights of the viewer to be made aware of its content. This subjective idea meant there were such decisions as removing the word chainsaw from Hollywood chainsaw hookers for the sake of public decency. When you wear 
work in Hollywood, you learn fast that there's just two kinds of girls in a town like this. The sweet, shy, innocent ones. You know, the ones you want to take home to mom. And then there are the other kind. The ones you just want to take home. Sometimes they like to play a little rough, but then these aren't your average girls. And this isn't your average movie. figured out by now there's something for everybody. Well, almost of it. There's action, romance, and a cast of thousands. It's Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. These girls charge an arm and a leg. I think it's time somebody cut you down to size, Jack. Have you ever considered therapy? I'm going to enjoy splattering you. Hostile. Very hostile. What a great set. Yeah, I know. I wish that I could touch her. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. It's a comedy that'll leave you in pieces. But despite all these checks and measures that got put in place to protect us, so vulnerable, we were still prone to a continuing moral panics about how art could damage us as a society. In 1987, the Hungerford Massacre, when 27-year-old Michael Robert Ryan armed with two semi-automatic rifles and a handgun, shot and killed 16 people, including his mother, and wounded 15 others, then fatally shot himself. That was linked to the Rambo films. The press claimed that Ryan was obsessed with the film Rambo First Blood, mainly because he wore a bandana during the shootings. There was actually no other evidence that he'd seen the film, though. He didn't even possess a, a video recorder. The reality is Ryan's motives will always remain a mystery, though, as he killed himself and his mother, who was the only person who knew him at all well. In 1993, and this be me from being from Liverpool is far rawer in, 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 in my memory, Child's Play 3 became linked to the murder of a three-year-old toddler, a child called James Bulger, in Merseyside. In fact, north of Liverpool, actually, in Bootle. The killers, who were 10 years old at the time, were said to have copied a scene in which one of the victims is splashed with blue paint. Psychologist Guy Chamberbatcher stated, The link with a video was that the father of one of the boys, John Venables, had rented Child to play free, Look Who's Stalking, some months earlier. However, the police officer who directed the investigation, Albert Kirby, found that the son John was not living with his father at the time, and was unlikely to have seen the film. 
Moreover, the boy disliked horror films. Police concluded that there were no links between the video violence and that death. Indeed, when you uh, compare the two, this is from my own point of view, that scene involving blue paint actually involves uh, paintballing and uh, the child was uh, daubed with blue paint from a tin. So the weak, the link is even weaker when you when you examine it further. And indeed, in fact, as I've already stated, it's very unlikely John Venables even saw the film. Left, 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 right, left. Welcome to Hell on Earth. You are without a doubt the most pathetic thing I have ever seen. Oh, oh. Strict discipline. Does this look like a gun to you, Barkley? It's a rifle. Next, rigid dress codes. Presto, you're bald. Get those weapons in the air. I want to see them high. And grueling drills. It couldn't possibly get any worse. Wrong again, wimp. Chucky's back. A few years have passed. No, you're dead. We killed you. I'm new and improved. At Kent, we take bedwetters and turn them into men. Andy. How you grow. <laughs> and this time. I really gotta get out of this body. He's looking for a new recruit. I got some fresh meat lined up and I'm not gonna let you spoil it. Now. Just think. Chucky's gonna be broke. Child's Play 3. Look who's stalking. A haircut ain't regulation, soldier. Regulate this! As discussed with SS Experiment Camp, there's another attempt at strict censorship in 2008. In Parliament, that we talked, we basically talked out of existence. Now, with the internet, such concerns seem a little antiquated. Like I mentioned, rock and roll's impact on the young. The next battleground for censorship almost certainly will be online, with politicians determined to protect us from ourselves there. In July 2013, 30 years almost to the day since the nasty scare, David Cameron made a statement for his plans on the internet. Cameron's speech can be split into three aspects. One, adding filters that mean grown-ups will have to opt in for adult content. Two, Stricter laws on extreme pornography with additional pressure on ISPs to filter child sex abuse images. And three, then, the, then right at the end of the speech, the PM said that today I can announce that we will be legislating that video streaming online in the UK are subject to the same rules as those sold in shops. The first step of this is to introduce age restrictions to music videos on popular streaming sites such as YouTube. Pilot schemes have begun in this month, in October 2014. Now, how any more of this could be implemented isn't clear still, but it echoes what was achieved by the Video Recordings Act in '84. It's unlikely that the move will spread much beyond music videos for the time being, and teenagers will always find a way of looking around these descriptions, much like they did with videos and DVDs and Blu-rays and everything else now. Indeed, while they dealt with horror comics and, every, and, and all other medium, kids want to get hold of it, they are incredibly resourceful. And I think just putting a 15 certificate on a Miley Cyrus video isn't really going to cut the mustard. How the public and how the 
press would react if they knew specifically the kind of films that are currently streaming on, on YouTube? I have no idea. The focus always, always seems to be on pornography. But when we actually look at something like, you know, as I've said, Gestapo's Last Orgy being available online, I always wonder exactly whether there is another moral panic waiting and bubbling away that could really impact on freedom of speech online. What the scare did, particularly the video nasty scare, but video scares in general, was normalise one simple idea. The concept that art could be dangerous. That we, could, we need must be warmed before we engage with the moving image. Also to this day, there's an underlying message though that men would be corrupted by fictional depictions of sexual violence in film. We are still even now touched on this idea. Every second of cuts to I spit on your grave reflects that the sight of watching a woman being violently raped can corrupt minds. It doesn't matter how horrible this act scene is. It doesn't matter how repulsive an act it is. Or that it is actors only acting on a film set. Society must be protected from itself. The question you must ask yourself after all this, and perhaps I am preaching to the choir, is if you agree with that idea. When put in the confines of the video nasty, such an idea of moral and sensory corruption can seem daft. And yet we still continue to see films routinely cut or banned. It isn't extreme as it was, but we still have cuts deliberately designed to protect us, the public. In 2014, the film Soulmate, a British production, was refused a certificate without cuts to a scene of suicide. Was it because it was too gory or too sexual? No, it was too informative. A suicide scene told you a way to commit suicide and therefore had to be removed to protect the vulnerable. A similar thing happened with season one of American Horror Story. When it was put in front of the censors, a cut was made to make an 18 certificate, despite it already being shown on TV. The director of Soulmate, Axel Carolyn, was angered by the BBFC response on Twitter. Axel said, BBFC has required four long sets of cuts for Soulmate. Otherwise, it's banned. Take that splat pack and made a video nasty without even trying. The BBFC says, imitable behaviour, potential harm. Basically, my opening scene could cause a wave of suicides in the UK. What the fuck? If Soulmate was in any way the kind of film that seeks that kind of attention, I'd be flattered. But it's not. At all. Hashtag BBFC. My husband died recently. I've tried everything to move on. So I thought I'd come here to get away from everything. I think there's someone else in the house. Show yourself. see me until now why you perhaps it would be best if you didn't stay in the house don't you understand what i'm seeing this is this is evidence of life after death i need to know <gasps> when someone dies in the throes of a strong emotion that's when ghosts are created i'm the only one i can talk to you're the first person to see me appearances can be deceiving it's too dangerous for you here you need to leave the house. I'm not going anywhere. 
Douglas Talbot committed suicide. He condemned his soul to hell. Yeah, me. You don't need that. When you love someone this much, you never want to let them go. Let go of this life, and we can be together forever. You need my help, Daniel. That girl is in trouble. Without you, I'm nothing! And then she did something um, very uh, exploitative but aggressive. She actually put her, the scene uncut on YouTube and then linked it to her to Twitter page. Interestingly enough, it's something that Shameless had done before with the New York Ripper. They included streaming on their site the 14 seconds that the BBFC would cut almost in flagrant disregard of the rules. I suppose... What it means really is that society needs to be protected, even at an adult rating of 18, even if you disagree. Somebody will say it's true. But what all this means for, for us, us horror fans, is society ideas has meant that for 30 years people can seem to be a little bit pervy and a bit weird for like a horror. The horror is something we need to be protected from. Still, horror is relegated from mainstream TV. Kids don't get to see horror double bills like they did in the BBC, BBC Two in the late 70s and early 80s. A grand history of horror in the UK slowly ebbed away. It's been reduced to the occasional ghost stories at Christmas. Classic safe behaviour relegated to late at night. The view of damaging art is ingrained in our, society, in our psyche though. Take for example this quote from Alex Cox on Movie Drome's BBC Two TV strand. Every week he would introduce a movie. When he introduced Brian De Palma's Carrie in 1993, during the height of the bulger-killing media circus, he said something striking. Speaking about De Palma's influences, intro stumbled almost onto Dario Argento. Dario Argento, you may recall, he said, is the Italian director of such films as Four Flies on Grey Velvet, Suspiria, Opera, and the recent Trauma. Most of his films are so extremely horrible that they shouldn't be shown on television. I'm serious here. I honestly don't think that Argento's film should be shown by the accidental push of the remote control button. He then goes on to say, En passant, it doesn't seem odd to me that the British Board of Film Censors allow Dario Argento films to be shown, but still won't give a certificate to Monte Hellman's Cockfighter, one of the best American movies of the 70s. By what standard are we not allowed to witness cockfight stage legally in the United States, yet are permitted to watch the violent dismemberments of women in Argento's films or in De Palma's body dub. I suppose the answer would be that one is offensive to animal lovers and the other is entertainment. Well, for me personally, Christopher Brown, I suppose the real reason would be that animal cruelty is illegal in the UK, but a horror film depicting fictional depictions of violence against women isn't. Something Cox, who, might I remind you, directed Reaper Man and Sid and Nancy, seem not to spot. Listen, I'm not trying to slag off Alex Cox. Get me another point for those kind of conversations. His opinions reflect a general feeling society has for horror. It is taboo. Adult. Ghost stories are a great British tradition, but we cannot make them too frightening. As in the case of the storm around BBC TV's mo mo uh, television movie, Ghostwatch, shown in October 1992. This fictional mock TV show, which features children being terrorised by an angry spirit in a council house, 
The BBC was besieged with phone calls from irate and frightened viewers, and British tabloids and other newspapers criticised the BBC the next day for the disturbing nature of some scenes, which is now, incidentally, available as a 12 certificate on DVD. As a result, it has never been re-shown on British television. Who are you talking to? Pipes. Where's Pipes? Here. What does he look like, Kimmy? Like somebody's mum. I'd, I'd like both of those children. Kimmy, it's time to I'd like somebody to take yeah. care of Suzanne as well. And please, let's have the kids out of the house, please, could we? Video nasty is now a term of horror generally. Why would you want to watch that? The question is still asked. But despite all this negativity, some low-budget splatter, the reality is though that the veil has been lifted on these films long ago. A quick Google search gets such salacious delights to your screen and a click of a button. Those dangerous Pandora's boxes have long since lost their power to shock and horrify. They might still offer some terrible sights, public's a bit more savvy there. Plus the move to online and a softening of the BBFC to violence has meant that the illicit thrills it's such it's thrill to such contraband have been removed. Fans might miss the fact that they can see the they can see the classic gore film so much easier and the thrill of the illegal import is gone. But there's still a tone to all this that remains. People do wonder why we like what we do. Ironically, while horror has generally trimmed its claws in the UK and US mainstream television. Both have become more violent, obsessed with crime and murder. Game of Thrones, Hannibal, True Detective are all imports to Britain that would have shocked the nation 30 years ago. One of the things that was apparent while researching this podcast was a depth of love for the look just for, at the very least, the video nasties list whether it be the amateurish but silly fun of blood rights or the offensive charms of the Nazi plotation films. There are people who love them or at the very least hold a great fondness for them. These are films that people have grown up with, films that hold a power and charm to them. Whether that's nostalgia, the aesthetic of such grim and grainy films or just the fact that they actually really just enjoy them. For fans, the movie maintains something more than just a B-film from being 30 to 40 years old hauled up and then thrown up in front of the beak. It's that passion which leads to so many books, podcasts, documentaries, fanzines, film festivals this day. Horror Cinema in the UK became a community as people ganged together to share their love. This book came from a wish to re-examine these films and to try and understand the impact that they had at the time. But the reality was that there was no real power in them that we as a society didn't give them. They were dangerous, not because they could corrupt, but because we said they were. They were shocking because we chose to be offended. Just trying to group any of these films cohesively together shows how a strange divergence and odd mix of movies they are. And you can see that from the way I stumble between movie to movie. 
There are a lot of reviewers that are keen to dismiss a lot of them too. It's easy to wave these pieces away as not being very good. However, even if they aren't all classics, they are all vital to the country's cultural and political makeup. The blood and toil of these filmmakers are important to the UK as a cultural reference. Their power is there and their allure still remains. Standards and ideas may have changed, but the impact of the nasty scale still lingers. It lingers every time the next generation goes out to find a fulshi film or Evil Dead to see what the fuss was about. It continues when somebody launches a blog or a podcast or a fanzine to tell the world of their love for a film of horror. Just as these films were obscene because we decided they were, they are now important because we, the fans, choose them to be. So, thank you, Mary Whitehouse. By highlighting these movies, you made them immortal. You changed the way we see films. For better or worse, you created a cultural phenomenon which still echoes to this day. You created car park meets where people exchange videotapes. You created fanzines dedicated to movies that couldn't be found in the UK. You help kickstart horror film festivals and to create a whole host of websites dedicated to the one thing you want to get rid of. You made a generation of horror directors who were heavily influenced by those little black videotape boxes that were so thrilled with thrills. So thank you, Mary. You've taken those movies and you made a point, but we've reclaimed these films from you now. They're ours again. What do you mean you're not going to bed tonight? Michael and I are going to indulge in an all-night orgy of sex and violence. What, in the drawing room? Yeah. First, we're going to have sex with the headless corpse of the virgin astronaut. But, but the carpet get awfully sticky. It's a video nasty. It's a carpet farty. The only trouble is we can't get the bastard to work. I'm not surprised if he's dead. Not the astronaut, the video. Oh! Have we got a video? Yes, we've got a video! <laughs> Wait a minute, where did you get it from? Look, don't spread it around, all right, but I know this guy. What, you borrowed it off him? Yeah, more or less. There's a free offer down at the TV rental shop where you can get one on trial for the night. Yeah, yeah, so I sort of slid down there and I had a word with the guy. Slid back, got his birth certificate to prove his age. Yeah, false my signature. <laughs> And Bob's your auntie's living lover. Except that they've given us a dud! Given us a dud? Give me this! Right. Vivian, this is for a toaster. <laughs> so, right then. Here we go. The end. The Video Nasties podcast was created in 2013 in January and was finished in 2014 in October. It was written and presented by me, Christopher Brown. However, I couldn't have done it without all the support of many listeners who fed in their feedback, who sculpted the content of the show, who offered opinions and ideas. So thank you all. Uh, thanks to my wife, Laura, who uh, probably won't be listening to this, but uh, has had to put up with some pretty bollocks for me over the last two years. The writing, the records and the editing. Organising a screening in April and organising that one now. And writing the book as well, The Video Nasties Moment, which is uh, available now from good, all good online bookshops. <laughs> um, she had to put up with a lot. Uh, she has a lot more patience than I have. So, thanks everybody. Um, so, 
Thanks very much to uh, at Leighton Rocks, who's uh, Stuart Wright, who's been very supportive of the show um, for a long time now. It's been it's great. Uh, also to uh, I, Good Podcast, which is at Good underscore Podcast, who's been pushing the show um, for again for quite some time. And it's, it's great, obviously. You know, the more people spread and give good words, uh, the, the more people that uh, that come to this and still do. If you you know, if you want to leave a review on iTunes or, or whatever, that would be that would be fantastic. Um, also, thanks to at Double Agent Seventy Three, who is uh, Martin, who writes the Gore Blimey blog. He uh, he's just dropped me a line saying, "Hey, Chris, just wanted to say well done with all your work on the podcast. It's still I'm still an episode two behind, but I'll be very sad when I get to the final episode. I fully enjoyed the series, and now I'm looking forward to your new project. I'm already getting stuck into the book. Thanks for making my drive to work more interesting. Well, thanks very much for that, Martin. I and mean, thanks, you know, I, you know, do read your." Um, your blog and it is fantastic as well so that's brilliant um also as well uh quick uh, thanks again to uh, rob wilson who uh contacted me through email uh, i won't read out the email that he sent me because uh, he just recommends all the podcasts and stuff like that but um it's uh, he has been an incredible supporter of the show and uh has followed and uh, you know has I think it must be somewhere in the reach about fifty um, comments over the uh, over the time. Um, you know his opinions. He's, he's watched along as well, and it, you know, his, and his insight has been invaluable in truth. Um, thanks to uh, Neil Tidbury, who says, "Christopher, so we come to the end of the rose. I can only ask, how did you do it? You've waded through a sea of effluence in order to find us the occasional nugget of goodness, and have entertained and informed every step of the way." I was frankly surprised by how many of the nasties I hadn't seen. And thanks to you, I now know which ones to bother with and which ones to avoid like the proverbial night train. Thanks for all the effort and here's the new cast. And to Tom and Chris's next step. Chin chin, Neil. And that's at TIDS71. That's T-I-D-S 71. Well, cheers, Neil. And uh, thanks very much. I think it's been a, a reoccurring theme uh, through correspondence exactly the sheer amount of shit that I had to uh, get through, but um, I've, I've, I do have a high tolerance to crap, so I've, uh, I'm not. I won't, don't, don't feel too, too sorry for me. Okay, <clears throat> this is from uh, somebody called Skibby who uh, emailed me. Uh, she says, "How's it going, cool dude? So sorry to see VMP finally came to come to an end. It's been a real lifesaver and introduced me to Italian horror film scores, an obsession I didn't know I I had, but I'm glad that I do." I was wondering if you know where I might be able to read up on the history influence of Mondo films and the like. I've purchased all the Ortolini uh, soundtracks and the thought of the 60s, 70s European subgenre scene really interests me. I can't do real gore though. Even my copy of Cannibal Holocaust is the Grindhouse release with the uh, cruelty-free option. The idea of actually watching some later Mondo films, Faces Death, Guinea Pig, etc. still re- kind of creaks me out. Uh, oddly enough, I'd still like to learn more about it. If you know of the direction to point me towards, it'd be super groovy, cool. Uh, enjoy your break and the time with your family, and then get the f- uh, get the fuck back to iTunes and entertain me like the entitled American cow that I am. And then she does that little thing with the tongue t- tongue sticking out. Best regards, Skibby. Uh, well, I, I I I do get asked, you know, people's opinions about what to get and stuff. I recommended uh, Sweet and Savage: The World Through the Documentary Film Lens by Mark Goodall, and that's kind of like the first English language book which kind of covered that particular genre. So it's kind of like a real benchmark book. I think it's on Head Press. So um, if, if anyone's interested, that's certainly where I'd, I'd recommend uh, turning to. Um, 
so yeah so d do that and if anyone has any ideas for you know um films about uh books about uh, italian soundtracks and where to, you know the uh, and the best people if you could recommend them to me i'll pass them on to skibby because I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that really maybe that should be a, a project for the future and we've got this uh this mrs on the um on the website from scott p well mate it's the end of the road and has been such a great trip. My Monday morning drive won't be the same without you. Liverpoolian musings about some of the most brutal films of all time. It only whets my appetite for the history of horror podcast. I'm already on board. Thank you for the many weeks of fun and knowledge, plus for reading my occasional rambling comments. I'll miss the show, Chris. It's been a blast. Quick thought. If White House didn't see the films visually, as she said, how did she take them in? Rectally. Uh, good luck with the next one, and I'll sign off the best way I know how. Take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. Well, thanks very much for that, Scott. And uh, as as with uh, lots of catchphrases, I didn't know I had one. Uh, but thanks very much. And um, yeah, I mean, as I said, um, as as you probably heard at the start of the show, a couple of things. If you are interested in learning more about the uh, section free films, uh, the Strange and Deadly podcast with uh, Chris and Tom is now uh, is now started it should be on iTunes now and Stitcher and all those kind of places if you go to Twitter it's at Strange Deadly uh, all the details are there and I think if you listen to obviously the advert at the start it will um, tell you where to go uh, as I said last week uh, I, I feature more prominently than I was expecting so <laughs> which good for good work and you know uh, the, the, it is, it is uh, it's a bit different to this and it's, uh, it's, it's very funny and quite witty and uh, gives you a real feel for the films uh, whereas I was very stats and facty this is very much you know that gut feeling which comes from real, real fans with real passion talking about stuff uh, again History of Horror podcast is likely to start next year sometime um i haven't written it yet so that's probably gives you some idea about how how how, how, much, how much of a plan i've got uh i do know what i want to do though so I, I hopefully you'll enjoy it um as i said best thing to do is follow me on um twitter which is at orange underscore monkey uh, if you go to the Vision Nasty's podcast website, which is VigilNasty'sPodcast.com, almost certainly I will have a, a, a section on there, kind of like when, when it's ready to go, I'll put a, a, com, a, you know, an article up there to kind of direct people to the new website and the new URL. Or if you drop me an email, I will fire a, a, like a newsletter almost to you, uh, letting you know when, it, when it's coming. Okay, so uh, there is one more little bit of feedback. Um, this comes from, um, well... It comes from uh, a guy called Elliot Best. And uh, Elliot, uh, you might know as uh, the Night Stalker 5000, who sent us in one of his tracks. And uh, we played out with it um, ooh, a while ago now. But um, he sent in a little bit of audio feedback from his son, Leo. So um, I'll close out with that and we'll finish with that. So until next year, have a lovely Halloween, Christmas and New Year. Take care and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. Hello Chris, my name is Leo, I am 10 years old and I love my Xbox. My dad Elliot loves weirdo horror movies, mum says that he's a sicko, he watches films like Faces of Jeff and I Spit on Your Gravy, weird. He was a massive fan of your nasty podcast and is acting all freaky since the last episode. I think it was Driller Killer or something. 
He loves your book and has started recommending it to complete strangers in the supermarket. They just stare at him before calling security. He's up on the roof now, Chris. He's taking his trousers off and he's crying like a wounded nutter. He says he's not coming down until he hears the History of Horror podcast. Help us, Christopher Brown. You are our only hope. Leo, aged 10, Birmingham. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on video nasty? oh you've seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film Totes man. All finished. Right, uh, let me just mix this down and then it's all done. Cup of tea first, away. <laughs>